It's a beautiful day for supernatural news, a beautiful day for a listener. Won't you be mine? <sighs> Could you be mine? How you doing? It's Supernatural News Wednesday. I'm your host, Timmy D, Tim Dennis, the Cruiser, and we need a supernatural co-host. So right over there, right across from me on my little old screen is the the best in the biz. This is, by the way, always original, always imitated and never uh, duplicated, as we say in the biz. So right over there is the original, the uh I'll call him the best in the biz because he is the best in the biz. I don't know if you people know this or not. He's the one and only, the BCB, the big cuddly bear, Beer City Bruiser Bruiser. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, neighbor? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I actually watched some Mr. Rogers this morning. It's funny that you sang that song. Really? Yeah, I was just flipping the channels and uh, came across PBS and he was on. I'm like, huh. Oh. I haven't watched these in years. Yeah, I know they're so they're so heartwarming. the the yeah. The movie, the documentary, gets me every time. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, he was truly a good human being. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Fred Rogers was the best. What I liked about document uh, documentary also is they they cover the rumors about how he was tatted up and he was a Navy SEAL and he was like all this crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> he, he, they interview him and he just laughs. He's like, no, <laughs> no, no. He was just a, a good guy. That's all. Good yeah. guy who cared about kids. Yep. Yeah. Wish there were more like him. It just doesn't seem like this society is the same. But no, it doesn't. And he was one too. And after he died, nothing bad came out. You know, he didn't yeah. have like a secret child porn ring or anything like that. He's nope. a genuine good dude. Yep. He was just there for kids. And he yep. had a, a wonderful imagination and just a creative guy and let it all out and found a way to get on a kid's level and communicate with him. And that's, that was just the most amazing thing. Just the most amazing guy. Uh, this week, boy, you got to have an imagination, folks. Uh <laughs> You uh, either you are buying in on the whole deal or you are out. <laughs> you, you've just checked out and said, I don't believe this world anymore. Um, so, I, I, by the way, thank you so much. You listeners are amazing. Um, I've been getting hit left and right with stories uh, and left and right with Parashare stuff. So I appreciate that. Uh, we've got an audio Parashare from Kevin this week. So we're going to play that. I got another audio Parashare from Sarah. We're going to hold that for next week. So Sarah, okay. I don't think we forgot about you. And boy, if I've been getting stories, not only for True Crime Tuesday, but I'm in for Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals, but I've been getting stories for Supernatural News as well. And again, I want to thank Margot, Tom, uh, Brandon, uh, all the people who have been sending us stories and and they're again too too many to mention there are so many people who are sending us stories and i want to thank all of you for sending in stories for supernatural news and for true crime tuesday yeah it, it makes our job easier <laughs> well not only that but it's they're such good stories too it's not like they're yeah. you know it's not like you guys are just throwing anything out there and saying oh look a duck got in a fight with a kitty this is supernatural um it's not stuff like that it's it's i mean good stuff what i like too is it's it's stuff they want to hear about because they're sending it to us yes yes and it's stuff you guys want to hear about it's pertinent it's timely and so uh it, again it's appreciated so thank you so much you guys are the best that's right you're the best as well so uh let's jump right into it bruiser here's the most Here's the most sense story. I think the one that's rocking the paranormal world right now, 
everyone's talking about the crashed Las Vegas UFO that was witnessed by a, a group of people. It was a crashed UFO that crashed in the backyard of some Las Vegas uh, residents. They claim some eight-foot creatures landed in their backyard that they weren't a hundred percent human yet we didn't get them on video wait what yes Come did, on. did you hear Pull about the story i i heard about a crash in vegas but i didn't i didn't hear they actually saw something i heard that there was a crash and that the government came in and cleaned it up right away well i, no, I don't think it was even that Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't hear about them seeing things. That's awesome. Yeah. In fact, they called the Las Vegas Police Department. The police department came out. By the time the police department comes out, they're gone. <laughs> but the police department doesn't know what to think. They don't. And, and they kind of jokingly tell the, uh, the folks on scene, no, 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 no. Well, you know. If this ever happens again, don't call us. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> you know, because they don't. <laughs> And, I would and love to see that body cam footage. <laughs> actually, I think we might have the video here. I'm going to see if I can I can hook up my my system here so that you can hear some of the video. Um, but what's interesting is our our good friend George Knapp was has been investigating further after the police have been out there. And what I'll give the Las Vegas police credit: they went out to the scene the the night that this happened. Shortly after this happened, they. They interviewed the family, and then they returned the next day for more follow-up interviews. So okay. they, they didn't let this lie, which is good. They, they Did, was there wreckage or anything? I'm sure no, it was no, no, story, no. but they no? landed in the backyard. Oh, they landed? Okay, see, I thought it was a crash. No, 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 they landed, and then they took off again. <laughs> Oops, wrong barbecue, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where... They, they got out, they look at the family, the family looks at them, they keep their distance, and everything, I guess, is hunky-dory, right? Yeah. Um, but nobody got hurt. Uh, it was an odd standoff. We'll tell you about it here in a second, but, but just an odd standoff. As I say to Mrs. Bruiser all the time, when stuff like that happens, get your phone out, get some video. Yeah, right? Let me see. Uh, you know, uh, if I'm in that situation, I'm literally feet away from an alien. I don't know if I'd think about my phone. Let me see if there's I think there's video here that we can listen to of what exactly happened on the scene. I think this here's the Las Vegas body cam footage, first of all, uh, and we'll play it right now here for you. Good. Tired. Yeah. OK, um, I called. I was on the other side. I was helping my dad to clean the... On, the, on that side of the house? On the, on the other side, yeah, in the backyard. So we're working on a truck. We're working on a truck and um, we were checking... Okay, so we're working, we were, I was cleaning everything, putting everything inside the little garage we had. Mm -hmm. Me and my brother, we just Did looked. Did you see it? Huh? Did you see it? Yeah, me and him side. What'd you see? It was like a... It was like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like a long testy top. We're not going to BS you guys. One of my partners said they saw something fall out of the sky too, so that's yes. why I'm kind of curious. Did you see anything land in your backyard? Or they see like a big. That's what they say. They see like a big, uh, like a big something with light. Can we go that side? I want to see. Yeah, yeah, we can go look. You can see that. Not any dogs or anything? No, please. Can you check because these kids is not going to let me sleep tonight? Oh yeah, I bet. I wouldn't be sleeping either. 
Do people see I, I stuff know. all the time, man? It could be real. You never know. By the way, I like the shirt, though. Thank you, thank you. I don't, I don't believe in it, you know. But to what I saw right now, I do believe in it. I'm not scared. Like you, I, I, you guys don't. I mean, you guys seem legit scared. So I don't blame you. So there you go. That's that's the body cam footage from the Las Vegas police. It, and what what's really cool about that is he says in there. My partner saw something fall from the sky. Yes, that's the other part of the story. So Las Vegas police saw something fall from the sky. They say a light fall from the sky. They got reports that lights were falling from the sky, that that something had quote unquote crashed, like you had said. Um, But this thing went into their backyard. So let's let's give you the full story here and let you know how George Knapp weighed in on this and how he's been investigating further a tall skinny alien creature with greenish color that was about eight to ten feet tall was reportedly hiding behind a forklift in a las vegas family's backyard after a potential ufo crashed overnight on april 30th may 1st i looked at it in the eyes and my body just froze like having sleep paralysis a witness who didn't give his name said in a youtube video he had a weird looking face big feet and big shiny eyes and a big mouth Okay. Okay. I can hear its loud, deep breathing, and its stomach kept moving. He would just stare at me, and seconds later, I could move again. So it's almost like it froze him in place. Yeah. Okay. He called 911 at 225, I'm sorry, at 1225 a.m. on May 1st and told the dispatcher that large creatures were in his backyard. They're not human. 100% they're not human, he told the 911 dispatcher in an audio recording. I swear to God, it's not a joke. It's actually real. Las Vegas police followed up on the call after a different officer's body cam dated April 30th at 1150 p.m. Again, you just heard that audio captured a glowing green light streak across the sky from the top right corner until it disappeared. I'm sorry, until it appeared to crash and disappear in the distance. At least 21 people across eastern California, Arizona, Nevada and Utah reported seeing the glowing green light, according to the American Meteor Society. A witness who was seen in the responding officer's body cam told this story in a YouTube video under the username Alien Society 51 and shared pieces of the body cam footage, neighbor's doorbell camera that actually captured the loud bang and aftershock, and a picture of a perfect circle in his backyard purportedly left behind the aircraft. The witness said he and his brother were working on his car in their backyard right around midnight on May 1st when he heard something fall from the sky. I turned around and saw a big light falling from the sky, and moments later I felt a big impact and a bang when the impact happened. It was like a shockwave, he said. It was all blurry, not my vision, only the backyard, and I heard thousands of footsteps around me. A couple of seconds later, the footsteps were gone. Okay. All right. He called 911 and the recording was released to the media. There's like an eight foot person beside it and another one inside and it has big eyes and it's looking at us and it's still there. He told the dispatcher who was asked if this was on his property in my backyard. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually we're terrified. He responded. The dispatcher clarified what the emergency call was about. So there's two people. There's two subjects in your backyard. Correct. And they're very large. They're like eight foot, nine feet, 10 foot. I don't know. They look like aliens to us. The caller said big eyes. They have big eyes. Like I can't explain it. And a big mouth. They're shiny eyes and they're not human. They're hundred percent. They're not human. 
A responding officer is seen in the body cam footage asking what the witnesses saw and told them his partner saw the same thing. You heard that body or body cam footage. Now, George Knapp, a renowned journalist who has broken some of the biggest UFO related stories, told Fox News Digital that he's spoken to the family over the last four weeks and didn't detect a hint of a hoax. That's a direct quote from George. Yeah. When you hear them in the body cam footage, they sound scared. Yeah. Like, you can you can fake sounding scared, but like you can tell, OK, that that's not but like they sounded shaken up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Metro police took it seriously. George goes on to say the officers who respond to the 911 call interviewed the three witnesses and found them to be sober and credible. Knapp went on to say. They searched the backyard, looked for physical evidence, canvassed the neighborhood for more witnesses, then returned a day later for a follow-up. We had multiple conversations with the family over the past four weeks, George said, and didn't detect a hint of a hoax. But what really happened, we don't know. I, I like how they said that there was a burn pattern in the backyard, too. I can now, sh- I'll show you that it, burn pattern between you and I here in a second. Okay, now... Okay. When it took off it, to leave, no one's talking about that. That probably left another image of it going off. You know what I mean? Potentially, oh. potentially. And I'll tell yeah, you, we don't know how they take off and whatnot. I mean, they could right. shoot up, right? Yeah. And authorities still don't know what exactly crashed in Las Vegas that night, but there's evidence that something happened. Uh, the quote here is: "I know some people are not going to believe this." The witness said in the YouTube video, "But this is what happened to me." So. It's it's pretty weird. Here, Bruiser, I'll I'll just show you here between us. That's the that's the pattern in the backyard. Yeah. The burn pattern. There was something there, definitely. Yeah. So interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This was probably one of the most credible ones in, in the past couple of years. I would say so. Pretty pretty close up to like the Arizona lights were what thousands of people saw him, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's definitely. And I like intriguing. that the police didn't dismiss it right away. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's just probably drunk people doing whatever. No, they actually showed up. They didn't know an investigation like they would for any other disturbance, you know, and I think that adds credibility to it. Right. Right. Now, last week we had, uh, we had the revelation that the U S government had an intact, UFO from non-human origin mm-hmm. is the way it was it was brought out. And I believe it was David Grush was the name of the, the young man who came out. Yeah, the whistleblower. Yes, the whistleblower. Interestingly enough, and this story was buried pretty deep. You had to look pretty deep to find this story. There was another press conference this past week. Uh, and it was a D.C. presser happened on the 12th, which would have been uh, two days ago. Okay. Okay. It was on non-human intelligence, whistleblowing, the whistleblower report on advanced technology and corporate cover-ups. And in that presser were three people. Michael Herrera. I think it was Michael Herrera. Yeah. Yeah, it was Michael Herrera. Uh... Uh, I want to I make this accurate and get this right. It was uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, I think, was involved in this. And another person I'm going to leave out of this because I know he's quoted in the article quite, quite extensively. 
He's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. Oh, cool. And he's an active member of the military. Okay. And I know for a fact that this article, he says this article misquoted him. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, Dr. Greer goes on to say some weird stuff. They, they say during this past weekend's historic disclosure conference, world-renowned researcher and whistleblower advocate Dr. Stephen Greer described the last century, a post-World War II era, during which advanced technological developments have been systematically hidden away from the public er, through threats, collusion, and murder, crippling our ability to progress as a nation as well as a species. To give you an idea of what Dr. Greer said, he said, we won the battle of World War II, but he also said we did not win the war. To expound on what he said, he said it got dragged into into the country under Operation Paperclip and other operations. It infiltrated the CIA, and there was a very strong fascist component to many of the programs that continue to this day. And that is a fact. It needed to be rooted out of our democratic republic and from the world. It is a scourge on humanity and a threat to human future. I will not mince words anymore, Greer went on to say. They go on to talk a little bit about David Grush's News Nation broadcast on Sunday night. He did appear on News Nation, and he had a full-length interview on News Nation talking about uh, the broad crash retrieval program and at least one private defense contractor storing craft of non-human origin Okay, during that. Okay. Uh, Dr. Greer had some interesting things to say. Uh which when I, I question things when experts go off on a tangent and he went off on a bit of a tangent. He went the, the, like, you think they're trying to over explain? Uh, yeah. You know, when, when rather than just saying, okay, the government's been hiding something from us for quite some time and they get a little over vague and then they say, okay, this is why. But then they go on to, this is more than that. This is uh, child rape and this and that and the other. Yeah. Well, he they went, encompass everything. Yeah. Gotcha. He, he went there. Okay. Yeah. And so I, you know, when you, when you go to that extreme, I question yeah, it takes a, away some of the credibility. It's almost like I'm going to hook you with this and then go on to my beliefs on this. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Greer, this is the quote, and this is why I say, mm, you know, when you start throwing stuff out there without presenting evidence, I, I question. And here's where yeah. I question. He says, there's underground slavery involving children and women and other people. Those assets are actually used in some of the operations that are, I'm not going to go into it or use the term that's used in the intelligence community, but it's monstrous. It would make Mengele blush. Okay, well, if you're not going to go into it, then... Then why say it? Why mention? Yeah. You know? that That's... I, I agree with you. That's shady. You know, that's that, it takes away some of his credibility. Like, yeah. oh, I could speak about this. But we're going to talk about this instead. He also went on to say, so now we're adding account uh, to the RICO of slavery, human trafficking, and crimes against humanity to be referred to the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Again, we're throwing out baseless accusations to nameless faces. 
Yeah, he's just throwing accusations around. Yeah, and and I, I don't know if that's supposed to scare people. I, I don't know what it's supposed to do. Um, but I'm not going to name the, the one person who is at this presser uh, because he claims that the the quotes that are attributed to him are misconstrued and they were they were he was he was misquoted so i'll let him in and i don't want to quote him from this article because i want him to to actually give the story himself and we'll address this article on the air i find it baffling that reporters still do that nowadays like you can record everything and literally take word for word what people are saying i i think and i i know why they did it they're probably changing misconstruing his words to fit their narrative for this yeah. article. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And I on. get that. I think maybe but, even Dr. Greer might have been misquoted in this article as well. Yeah, but I just, if you're a reporter, it, I don't know. Yeah. But that just, that, that all has always bugged me about media. Is I get you're trying to get your narrative across, but don't use somebody else's words in a, you know, not honest way. Yeah. Don't, just to get you, you know, that, that's shady to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move on. A crashed UFO recovered by the U.S. military distorted space and time, leaving one investigator nauseous and disoriented when he went in and discovered it was much larger inside than out. It sounds like a TARDIS, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that, according to an attorney for whistleblowers. Believe it or not, a crashed UFO recovered by the U.S. military distorted space-time. It was bigger on the inside, according to a top attorney involved in bringing UFO whistleblowers to Congress. Daniel Sheehan says he was told the mind-boggling tale by a whistleblower who allegedly took part in an illegally undisclosed program retrieving crashed non-human spacecraft and who has now briefed Senate Intelligence Committee staff. The lawyer's story is the latest in a series of stunning claims this week of UFOs on the government or in the government's hands, which began on Monday with an on-camera interview of former senior Air Force intelligence officer David Grush, alleging that the U.S. government possesses multiple crashed non-human craft. The Department of Defense says it's it has not discovered any verifiable information uh, to support any of the claims. But Sheehan has been helping bring whistleblowers like Rush to Congress in an attempt to expose what he believes is a government cover-up of encounters with extraterrestrials. The attorney told DailyMail.com that one alleged recovery recounted to him by a supposed crashed retrieval program insider involved a 30-foot saucer partially embedded in the earth with some fantastical properties. They tried to hook a bulldozer to it to pull it out, and it pulled out a shape like a pie slice, almost like it was part of the way it was constructed. Oh, wow. Yeah. When it came, so it was really embedded in there. Yeah. When it came loose a couple of feet, they stopped immediately. They didn't want to destroy the integrity of the machine. They had a guy go into it. He got in there, and it was as big as a football stadium. It was freaking him out, and he started to feel somewhat nauseous and he was so disoriented because it was so gigantic inside. I've had that feeling before. I'll just <laughs> I, I, I'll give you one of those right there. Uh, Sheehan said that space was not the only warped dimension around the craft. He staggered back out after being in there a couple of minutes and outside it was four hours later. Oh, wow. Yeah. There were all kinds of time distortion and space distortion. 
physicists have theorized that propulsion of an advanced craft would theoretically involve warping space-time around it to negate the effects of, gra- of gravity. But Sheehan declined to give further details, including a location and date of the incident, and said he was unable to provide evidence for the claims. The lack of details, documents, and photos are leading skeptics to dismiss as tall tales the stories of off-world UFOs stored by secret government programs. Military intelligence officials who have voiced their support for Grush since he came forward publicly point out that he has placed himself at considerable risk if he is lying, as all his claims have been submitted to the Department of Defense and Intelligence Community Inspector Generals on penalty of perjury. Okay. I can see people not believing him. He has no proof. True. He has his word. And unfortunately, in today's day and age, your word doesn't go as far as here's here's what I saw and here is proof that this happened. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Even if it's a cover-up, they'll they'll have record of them sending a team out someplace. It'll just it'll be them recovering a weather balloon or them recovering well, test equipment. Will they though? Um, you know, if it was if it was a black ops operation, they won't necessarily have record. That's true. You know. Yep. So uh, it, it, there's a fifty percent chance they might have something, or they may not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's an article out there in Vanity Fair. We won't go over it too much, but you can look for it for yourself. If you've never subscribed to Vanity Fair, you'll have a one-time shot at looking at it for yourself. But the article basically goes over why the New York Times, Washington Post, and Politico didn't publish a seemingly bombshell report about UFOs back in 2017. Okay. Because there well, was... in 2017, it wasn't mainstream yet. It's only been mainstream in the last year or two. Well, they go a little bit into detail. If you remember right, in 2017, Senator Harry Reid was behind a um, was behind a push to try and get disclosure onto the table and in the forefront of the American right. public. And this was shortly before uh, Senator Reid died. Uh, they claim that the story that would have blown everything open was written by Ralph Blumenthal, who spent more than 45 years on the staff of the New York times and Leslie Keene, an investigative science journalist known for her writing on UFOs. The two are best known for authoring along the times Pentagon correspondent, Helene Cooper, the explosive 2017 UFO report in which the journalist revealed a defunct secret Pentagon program initially funded at the request of former Senate uh, Majority Leader Harry Reid to investigate unidentified flying objects. The A1 story was accompanied with a sidebar written by the three authors titled Two Navy Airmen and an Object That Accelerated Like Nothing I've Ever Seen. On Monday, Sagar and Jetty, a political pundit and co-host of the Breaking Points podcast, proclaimed that Blumenthal and Keene's latest report was the biggest story in the UFO world since the 2017 New York Times expose. Now, Tucker Carlson, in his first installment of his new Twitter program on Tuesday, declared in what was a clear exaggeration of the reporting that UFOs are actually real and hit the mainstream media for not covering that story. In a normal country, this news would qualify as a bombshell, the story of the millennium. So why wasn't it running in the New York Times? That was the question that Tucker asked. Uh, according to the article, they say they've learned that Keene and Blumenthal did, in fact, bring the story to the Times, but the paper of record turned it down. 
The Times didn't respond to a request for comment, but Blumenthal reached by phone, confirmed the paper passed on an early version in April. The pair also pitched their story to Politico and the Washington Post. The Post had been trying to further report the story that the reporters had brought to the paper, but didn't think it was ready for publication. Among its reservations, according to a source familiar, was that it was unclear what members of Congress made it made of Grush's testimony. Uh, the Post declined to comment. And Politico, which a source familiar noted had the story for mere days while the Post had the story for weeks, also wasn't able to turn around the story at the speed that Keenan Blumenthal wanted. So that's essentially what it was. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. get the turnaround. Every piece of journalism Politico publishes goes through a vigorous editing process to ensure that we are providing accurate information for our readers, Politico spokesperson told Vanity Fair. Though we were interested in the submission, the authors insisted on a guaranteed publication date that would not have allowed us to complete our process and meet our standards. There's nothing well, wrong good with that. that. They're, no, they're, they're fact-checking, which is great. And so for those of you who beat up the mainstream media about, well, how come this, well, how come that, well, they're just so reckless and they just step all over everything. Believe it or not, there's fact-checking and things like that, folks. Yep. Yeah. There's actual people on their payroll that their job is to fact check. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's the long and short of the article in Vanity Fair. That's why sometimes some of the stuff doesn't get to the mainstream media right away because they're fact checking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm assuming fact checking into to the UFOs and stuff is going to take a lot longer <laughs> than fact checking, well, you know, an election or someone's presidential run, you know. Well, especially if you're looking into top secret programs in the Pentagon. Exactly. You know, you, you've got to be careful when you when you're reporting on things like that. Uh, okay. I believe this is our yes, this is our final story before we go to break. When we come back from break, by the way, we've got some interesting, interesting stories. Okay. Yeah, like some deep cover stuff when we come back. Ooh. Uh, Red Arrows Air Show overseas spotted a UFO going 10,000 miles an hour in the middle of a air show display. <laughs> Boy, that won't make it. They just wanted nervous. to be a part of it. I guess. You follow us, John Mooner snapped what he believes are images of a UFO proving the existence of non-human intelligence amongst a Red Arrows formation at the Torbay Air Show in Devon. Intriguing photos snapped of the Red Arrows has left people baffled as they appear to show a UFO joining the display. John Mooner was at the Torbay Air Show near, I believe it's Paynton, uh, Devon, last weekend when he spotted the object whizzing past at at least 1,000 miles an hour among the planes making up the country's most iconic air display. Already a ufologist who has previously written a book about all things unexplained, Mr. Mooner had visited the show on the off chance of seeing any unusual craft in the sky. And he was in luck. After spotting the object moving at a lightning pace, dashing across the sky in broad daylight, Mr. Mooner managed to snap pictures of the black object, which he claims was the work of non-human intelligence. Uh, he told Devon Live he had been watching the planes in formation from Preston Sands Beach and immediately began snapping away before he later noticed a strange black object between them. 
I was very excited to see the red arrows, and I sat there in anticipation, waiting patiently for their arrival, he said. Moments later, I finally heard them approaching from behind, and I looked up and saw them fly directly overhead. The main event had now begun, and I was really determined to capture an anomalous object near them like I had captured many times in the past. I immediately started taking photographs while enjoying their colorful aerobatic display. They were in formation when suddenly, without warning, a black anomalous object shot right through the middle of their formation at terrific speed. Mr. Mooner added, I could hardly believe what I was seeing. This object must have been going at least a thousand miles an hour as it passed dangerously close to the red arrows as it shot off and disappeared from view. Fortunately, I had managed to capture this fast-moving anomalous object with my Nikon P900 camera, which was set to burst mode. I had successfully captured an anomalous object near the Red Arrows once again, like in previous years. These alien crafts are ever-present within our skies. When, when will the British government come forward and admit to this alien presence, he goes on to say. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mooner said he believed the object uh, was a non-human controlled probe, and he wasn't the only one to spot it either. Witnesses, or witness and photographer Emma Smith told local press she also spotted the object in her photos of the event i zoomed in and couldn't quite believe what i was seeing it was the shape of a spinning top and definitely was not a speck on my lens i only have an iphone but the zoom capacity is fairly decent i'm just gutted that my live photos were turned off so i couldn't see any movement of the object i took a number of pictures in a burst but the object only appeared in one of them a ministry of defense spokesman said we ceased to investigate reports of UFOs or unidentified aerial phenomena in 2009, and there's no change to that. <laughs> They're like, didn't happen. Didn't happen. We don't claim it happened. Um, let me see. Okay, so the, the closest— I wonder if the Red Arrows put out anything about it. I'm not, if it almost hit their planes. I'm not sure. I'm going to show you what they think they're seeing here, Bruiser. So here, I'll back this up so you can see it a little bit. You see what they're seeing? I can see it, but the zoom in doesn't do anything. It doesn't make no, it look like a hole. The zoom in, but I can definitely see it in the formation. Yeah, it's there in the formation, but when they zoom in, it's it's there's too much pixelation. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there's definitely something there. Yeah, there is something there. It looks like it's kind of far away from the formation, but but yeah, it it zoomed away quite quickly. Uh, before we go to break, Bruiser, I'm I'm going to play our parish here before we go to break here because. Okay. Uh, our parish here from Kevin actually relates to UFOs. Oh, okay, good. So we're going to play that right now. Here's Kevin with his audio parish here for this week. By the way, if you have a parish here for us, you can submit it by email by sending it to Tim at darknessradio.com. If you want to do like Kevin did and leave us a voice note, just go to our website, darknessradioshow.com. Click on that blue button on the right-hand side. Leave us a voice note. You've got two minutes to do so. If you need more time like Kevin did, you just click the button again, add another two minutes, and so on and so on and so on, as the old hair commercial goes, uh, until you're done with your story. So here's Kevin now with his parish share. Hey, Tim, NBCB. It's Kevin from Ohio. I'm coming in with my second parish share story. This time it's a UFO story taking place in the same little town that my recent ghost story came from about the man getting hit by the train and haunting the uh, bell tower. Uh, this time is a UFO story and in the apartments that I was growing up in about 10 to 12 years ago, at the end of the hill, we had these big 
this big wooded area. It was the only wooded area in that entire apartment section. Well, in the very, very back, they had this construction site to where they had trucks coming in very, very late at night or very, very early in the morning. You never really saw anybody in there during the day doing anything, which kind of added onto how sketchy it was. Well, it was very gated off. You couldn't get back there. They had big fences up, warning signs, no trespassing signs all over the place. But they never really, it was kind of unclear what they were really doing back there. So naturally, everybody who lived in the apartments was very curious as to what was going on back there, considering nobody ever really saw anything going on during the day. So as you guys could probably imagine, you know, the youngins in the area would probably be very curious about that. So they would try to sneak through the woods and try to find back entrances into this construction site to try to see what was going on. Well, I was among one of those youngins that liked to try to find their way back there. And, well, we eventually did because that's what a bunch of kids who are curious are going to do. They're going to find out how to get into places they're not supposed to be and explore. So one day, me and my buddies, it was two or three of us, I can't remember exactly how many, but we were back there one day, and we had found a, uh, an entrance by one of the fence edgings. So along this edging, we found an entrance to this construction site, and we naturally went in there. Well, it was late at night that night, and we were going back there, and we were walking through the field, and we were... Just walking around looking, not really looking for anything particular, just seeing what we could find out there. And we had come across multiple bags of dismembered animals, uh, seemingly mutilated, ripped apart, and then just kind of shoved in a, in a bag and thrown to the side and just left. Well, that was creepy enough. And eventually we continued on and we got to the middle of the backfield. Now, this is where what Paul said kind of jarred this memory because he had said something about craft being extremely light, almost to the point where you could lift it up above your head. And that is specifically what jarred my memory because we came up on this, I can say it was a UFO-shaped saucer just laying in the middle of the field. None of us knew what it was. Nobody knew why it was there, but it was extremely light. It was the typical saucer shape that you would think you know when you think of ufos but it was all white extremely light we could pick it up and we could look inside of it and everything now it seemed like everything was clear out of it it seemed to be just a, a hollow craft but you could definitely tell where there were wires in there there were panels but it was extremely small so we were all confused at that point. We didn't know what we were looking at. We didn't know what it was or what it could be towards. And back then, none of us really were like, oh, yeah, this would be aliens. Well, listening to your show after all this time made me realize a lot of things that I experienced during my childhood and my younger years that didn't make sense back to me because I wasn't very uh, too in tune with everything like that. I was very interested in ghosts, but wasn't super big into like Sasquatch, wasn't super big into aliens. But anyways, uh, after we found that craft, we had just taken some pictures, gone home that night, and we woke up the next morning and none of us had talked about it. And still to this day, none of us have talked about it. 
And it honestly wasn't until I listened to that recent interview that you just did that that memory got jarred. So I have gone onto my Facebook and I went super far down to see if possibly somewhere on my page that picture still existed so I could send it in. Weirdly enough, the pictures of the animal mutilations are there, but the picture of the craft is not. So I don't know where it went. I found the other pictures, so I might send those in for you just to take a look at. They're very blurry. It was, as I said, about 10, 11 years ago, so the quality of the pictures aren't really that great, and it's not really anything distinct. It's just, it looks like a deer that's kind of, as I said, mutilated and kind of just left for dead. Well, anyways, that was a wonderful interview you guys had, and uh, it definitely brought back a lot of memories from my childhood and exploring that construction area so thank you for taking the time to listen and play my show or play sorry play my story on the show and uh i love what you guys do keep doing it and hopefully i can see you at michigan paracon this year later guys all right thanks kevin and and a reminder to you guys if you want to see us at uh, michigan paracon uh get a hold of brad blair and uh, tim ellis because there's still a little bit of time that's in august i believe so there you go nice yeah um bruiser what do you think of that i i think it's a fantastic story i'm curious to see the the photo now if he uploaded it to facebook which is public domain i can see somehow that if if it was a, a craft you know 10 11 years ago them removing the pictures you know mm-hmm. um but it's amazing that he got to touch it and and yeah. lift it up and look inside and you know what I mean yeah. that that's the part that I was like okay because in my experience we never got to touch it we saw it but we didn't get to touch it and it's just like I wonder what it felt like yeah. you know he described the inside perfectly with wires and panels and it looked like it had been abandoned yeah so I'm wondering if it was a crashed craft and and the crew had left you know what I mean if it was if it was something the government reverse engineered. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and it was a it was a failed attempt to reverse engineer something. Yeah. You know, I don't think the mutilated animals had the same thing. To, I don't think they correlate with the craft. I think the mutilated animals are a separate incident, you know, but the, the I don't think they go hand in hand. But, yeah, no, that was a great, great share. Thank you so much, yeah. Kevin. That was you really intrigued me with, I want to know what it feels like. I want to know what it felt like. You know what I mean? Like, was yeah. it metal? Was it, because he said it, you could just lift it up, you know? So yeah. was it organic? Was it metallic? Was it, uh, you know, mineral? What was it, you know? What did yeah. it feel like? Yeah, yeah. And was there any, did you did you have any residual effects? You know, radiation burns or, you know, because you hear about that too, or they get, people get burned you know because of the radiation or the whatever it's giving off so i'm wondering if him and his buddies ever experienced anything like that anybody got sick or yep Yep. whatever all good questions all good questions bruiser um all right i think on that we'll take our break here that's what we'll do we'll take our break and when we come back boy we got some interesting stories okay so this there's a story out there this week that stephen hawking before he died was encouraging scientists to open up black holes here on Earth. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. And well, then, no, Stephen. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't care that you wanted to die. We don't want to die. That's the whole thing. And then I was sent an interesting story, I believe, by Margot about what black holes exactly would do to us if they opened up here on Earth. So we're going to give you the yin and yang of this whole deal about black <laughs> holes when we come back. Uh, also, AI holds a church service. We'll tell you exactly how that went. And we'll also tell you at the end of the program about how a vampire ended up getting busted. So that, that all is uh, coming up. Here on Supernatural News, it's a Supernatural News Wednesday with the Cruiser and the Bruiser, right here on the best in paranormal talk radio. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. With me right over there, right across the board, is the best in the biz. They call him the BCB, the big cuddly bear. We call him Beer City Bruiser. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. That was very Hello, Mr. everybody. That was very Mr. Ed of you. Very nice, very nice. Uh, Bruiser. Yeah. You know, they got that uh, CERN Hadron Collider over there, over by there, over by Switzerland, you know. Open up the uh, the different dimensions and whatnot, well, I believe. That's what they claim. I always thought that that was going to be the beginning of the end of the world. Before oh, AI, I, I firmly believe that. Before AI, I always thought they were going to screw up and end up, you know, opening either a different dimension that would swallow us up. Or it was going to be one big black hole that would end up opening up and swallowing our planet. Um, I never thought anything good was going to come from that some bitch. Nothing good's coming from it. No. I mean, it, it, think about it. I think that's what caused the Mandela effect. I think that's what's causing doppelgangers. I think that's what's causing just different stuff. When they started messing with that, that's when all this stuff came to the forefront, you know? Yeah, yeah. Stephen Hawking, uh, before he died, um, goddamn his soul. Uh, no, I'm kidding, folks. I, I know you're all like, oh, that is so cruel and unusual. I don't think he believed in an afterlife, did he? No, I don't think so. I, I don't he know. Was, he was pretty know. much robotic when he died anyways. I always used to do this Why so Stephen Hawking, and people used to give me crap for it. They're like, you're so mean. Well, it was only a speaking spell, wasn't it? Wasn't that what he was using to talk through? Was a speaking Pretty spell? much, yeah. So. yeah. A is for apple, J is for jacks, cinnamon <laughs> toasty apple jacks. Uh, Stephen Hawking wanted scientists to make black holes on Earth. This is why I made fun of him. Yeah, because he wanted yeah. to kill you wanted, you know, the, the Earthlings. He wanted yeah. to kill everybody on Earth. He wanted to kill all of you. He was afraid of aliens, so I, I, I just wanted aliens to chase him around before he died <laughs> just to see <laughs> what top speed was in his chair. Uh, physis, physics. I've always wanted to see him race Christopher Reeve, see who won. Oh, come on, bruiser. Now, we can't make fun of Christopher <laughs> Reeve. He was he I'm was not Superman. making fun of him. He, he, was, was, he's, he was the he's man. He's the best Superman. He was. Yeah, he, he yeah. will always be the best superman yeah and he did a movie that really made me think about time travel with the penny and stuff like that where he yeah. goes back in time and that whole thing and besides we know christopher reeves christopher reeve was the best superman because george reeves wasn't bulletproof <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, and I went too far, huh? Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, anyways, I know. Morbid humor on... Uh, we're going to get emails now. I oh, love yeah, George Reeves. You suck. Um, that's we haven't we even posted this yet, and, and they're already coming in. Like, yeah. the universe is just emailing us. That's right. <laughs> uh, so Stephen Hawking wanted scientists to make black holes on Earth, and physics says it's possible... That, yes. Okay, just because it's possible doesn't mean we have to do it. I know. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's possible for me to go jogging every day, but I just don't do it. That's right. I don't either. It, it's, it's possible <laughs> for me to do it on one leg, but I don't do it. Exactly. Um, yeah. When Stephen Hawking visited the Large Hadron Collider, by the way, this, this article was written by Thomas Hertog, and he actually visited the Large Hadron Collider with Stephen Hawking. He hoped for an unexpected physics breakthrough. His dreams may not be impossible, he goes on to say. He said, Stephen said with a broad smile when they visited the Hadron Collider, I hope you'll make black holes. And he said it with a broad smile. <laughs> Why? So we can get sucked in? Yeah. He, they, then, then we all die at the same time. He said, we exited the cargo lift that had taken us underground into the five-story cavern housing the Atlas experiment at the CERN lab, the legendary European organization for nuclear research near Geneva. CERN's gener director general, Rolf Heuer, shuffled his feet uneasily. This was 2009, and someone had filed a lawsuit in the United States concerned that CERN's newly constructed Large Hadron Collider, the LHC, would produce black holes or another form of exotic matter that could destroy the Earth. The LHC is a ring-shaped particle accelerator that was built principally to create Higgs bosons, or the missing link at the time, in the standard model of particle physics, constructed in a tunnel underneath the Swiss-French Swiss border. Its total circumference is 27 kilometers, or almost 17 miles, and it accelerates protons and antiprotons running in counter-rotating beams in its circular vacuum tubes to... <laughs> Let me see if I can get this percentage right. 99.999991% of the speed of light. <laughs> there you go. The best way that I, I could describe when people ask about the, the collider is if you ever watch the TV show The Flash mm -hmm. at Star Labs, the ring they have there yeah. that causes the big meta explosion. That's it. That's it. Yep. Yep. Uh, at Except it's underground and bigger. That's true. Speaking of the Flash, I'm going to go check it out tonight. I'll let you guys know tomorrow what I think of it. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, at three locations along the ring, the beams of accelerated particles can be directly into highly energetic collisions, recreating conditions comparable to those reigning in the universe a small fraction of a second after the hot Big Bang, baby. <laughs> yeah, when the temperatures was more than a bil million billion degrees. That sounds like a made-up name. Or a yeah, number. A, a million, million billion. billion. Yeah. That sounds like a four-year-old named it. I got one million billion gajillion Hershey yeah. kisses. It was so hot it was a million billion degrees. <laughs> Uh, the tracks of the spray of particles created in these violent head-on collisions are picked up by millions of sensors stacked like mini Lego blocks to make up giant detectors, including the Atlas Director in the compact, uh, I believe it's Muon Solen Solenoid, or CMS. It looks like a solenoid from a car. Uh, <laughs> the lawsuit was soon to be dismissed on the grounds that speculative fear of future harm does not constitute an injury, in fact, sufficient to confer standing. 
In November of that year, the LHC was successfully turned on after an explosion at an earlier attempt, and the Atlas and CMS detectors soon found traces of Higgs bosons in the debris of the particle collisions. But so far, the LHC hasn't made any black holes. No, it's just the Mandela effect. It's just merging dimensions. Yeah, we're just merging dimensions. Yeah, that's all. So at the same time, if Stephen and Hewer's hope to produce black holes had come true, it would have signaled the end of particle physicists' decades-old quest to explore nature at an even shorter distance by colliding particles with ever-increasing energies, which would have been yippee-skippy-hunky-dory. But let's ask the question, if we will, and move on to the next story. What would happen if all of a sudden a black hole opened up on Earth? We would all fade to black. Well, you would think, but it's actually more intriguing than that, Bruiser. Okay. The human body would stretch like a long pasta if Earth ever fell into a black hole. This according to scientists. Ow! Yeah, it would be pretty <laughs> painful, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Scientists have claimed that if Earth ever fell into a black hole, the scariest feature of the universe, which has such intense gravity that if that even light fails to get out, then the human body is likely to turn into the shape of a long pasta. Ouch. That's yeah. not pleasant. Imagine what your bones do. Oh, your bone soup. Yeah. Black holes are known to gobble up the surrounding dust and gas along with the planets and even other black holes nearby. They are often called destructive monsters as they have the capability to tear apart stars and consume everything that comes close to it. With light being its captive, if the Earth fell into a black hole, it would have little chance to escape either. Explaining the scary situation to the Daily Mail, professor of physics at the University of Sussex, Xavier Kalmet, said that the black hole's gravitational force would become so strong that humans will experience spaghettiification. <laughs> I love that word. By the way, that's the new Red Hot Chili Peppers album, I believe, that's coming Are you next sure year. it's not the new Guns N' Roses album? It's the follow-up to the spaghetti incident? That could be, yeah, you're right. It, it probably is Guns N' Roses. Uh, your body will be stretched into a shape similar to that of a long pasta until it is reaped apart by the strong gravitational force. So it'll be like Stretch Armstrong's. Yeah. Which we used to tie to our back end of our bikes and ride in opposite directions to see how long you can stretch them. Yeah. <laughs> That's until you snap and die. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and the, Stephen Hawking, the supposedly one of the smartest men on the planet, wanted this to happen. He was a stupid ass. Yeah, just because you can't feel pain doesn't mean we can't. That's right. Just because all your nerve endings didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason we should have to suffer. <laughs> Asshole. I give him one of those. Um, anyway. Uh, spaghettification. Spaghetti spaghettiification. Uh, I can't imagine that this would be pleasant, Professor Kalmet went on to say. It would happen rather quickly, so if painful, it is unlikely to last long. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's still a painful death. Exactly. Right. You go from pain to nothing. Right. Meanwhile, Imperial College London senior lecturer, Dr. David L. Clement, said the end of the Earth will likely be quick if it fell into a black hole. It would come from asphyxiation if the atmosphere is stripped or from the process called spaghettiification. God, I want to hear so that. So we either choke to death 
or become pasta. That's right. Where tidal forces stretch everything out into long strings may be briefly painful, you went on to say. He added that thankfully, Earth's chances of getting swallowed, it by, uh, swallowed up by a black hole are almost nearly zero. Well, unless the Hadron Collider goes loose, then it's uh, nearly 100%. <laughs> The fact no, it's ninety nine point nine 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 one percent. That's right. You're right, Bruce. Uh, the fact that we're still here shows that this hasn't happened over the whole history of the Earth. He said while speaking speaking to Daily Mail. Yeah, but you don't know that. So the chances are at least that once every four point five billion years, and likely much much less. He added, the black hole nearest to the Earth is called Gaia BH one and is around 1,600 light years away. It is 10 times bigger than the size of our sun, stated experts. Well, you know, semantics. So there you go. <laughs> semantics. Uh, that's, that's me being uh, optimistic today. So there you go. Uh, you know what, kids? It's about that time. Looking at, my, <sighs> looking at my Gucci, it's about that time. It's time to get into those stories that you so, so look forward to and send me the stories for. Did you know that AI is now encroaching into the wrestling world? Really? How so? WWE is asking ChatGPT to list greatest finishers, greatest matches of certain people, all that. So the writers are getting lazy? Well, it's not like they're not writing storylines. Oh, there's okay. been like lists. Oh, I see. And ChatGPT really likes Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, I bet they do. He's like number one in everything. Do you think ChatGPT just lists what, 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 <laughs> what over and over again? <laughs> that is the most irritating. By the way, there there was I I watched a Reddit thread between uh, people who were probably twenty to thirty years old in the Attitude Era and people who were kids in the Attitude Era. People yeah. who are kids in the Attitude Era think the what thing is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. People who are older in the Attitude Era think that's the most irritating thing and killed Stone Cold in the Attitude Era. I don't think era. he killed him, but he hates it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could tell. Yeah. yeah, to this day, he does not like it. Yeah. Uh, AI, a self-driving car, hits and kills a small dog in San Francisco. Dog lovers now hate AI. <laughs> so it's racist. It's... Uh, Wants to kill us, and it hates animals. Yeah, now okay. it's, it's going to kill your dog. Now you can get outraged. Yeah. If you weren't outraged before at AI, now you can get outraged, kids. Yeah. That's right. It, like I said, it's racist. Wants to kill humanity, and now it wants to kill our pets. That's right. We go to San Francisco. A Waymo vehicle hit and killed a small dog on the streets of San Francisco. I love that show, by the way, Streets of San Francisco. Last month, uh, the company confirmed to Nexstar's KRON or K-Ron. The incident occurred on Sunday, May 21st, when the dog ran in front of a Waymo vehicle with an autonomous specialist in the driver's seat, according to a company spokesperson. The spokesperson said an investigation has been launched, much like the dog. <laughs> Sorry. Why didn't the autonomous guy hit the brakes? Uh, you probably didn't have that much control. And that an initial review indicated that the Waymo system correctly identified the dog, which ran from behind a parked vehicle. However, the vehicle was unable to avoid hitting the animal. So basically the vehicle went target achieved, target destroyed. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the dog was hit and subsequently did die. I'm sorry, folks. 
Uh, We send our sincere condolences to the dog's owner, the spokesperson said. The trust and safety of our communities we are in is the most important thing to us, and we're continuing to look into this on our end. Well, you didn't do enough, Waymo. You didn't do enough. Just give up the project. That's right. The dog was off leash when it was struck by the Waymo vehicle. I don't know what that has to do with anything. KRON reached out to the San Francisco Police Department regarding the incident, was told that officers responded to the incident, but did not locate anything. What were they supposed to do? What do you mean, didn't locate anything? Yeah. Who are they going to ticket? The car? There's a dead dog. I mean, ticket somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That's a murder. Yeah. It was way more. Give them an AI. Have the AI write them a ticket. That's Yes. Have your AI officer go over and write AI a ticket. Yeah. For an AI murder. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. This, I think, qualifies for the creepiest story of the week, if you're ready for this. Boy, I am not ready for this. Chat GPT delivers a sermon to a packed German church telling <laughs> congregants it not to fear death. <laughs> so it's, it's grooming us now. Yes, it's grooming us. And you are right, Bruiser. It is racist. Yeah. Because it put on its best blackface. this is gonna be good university of vienna scholar directed chat gpt to craft a pretty solid church service and this is what chat gpt came up with (laughs) great and if it was in german it's just gonna sound angry no matter what well yeah it's gonna sound like hitler um yeah but no what it did was hundreds attended a protestant church service of course so okay they're protestants yep yeah it went all holy day on the on the bit uh, it, it they attended a Protestant church service on Friday in Germany, generated almost entirely by artificial intelligence, with a sermon presented by the AI chatbot ChatGPT. Here's where it gets good, Bruiser. You ready? Yeah. The, the chatbot, which presented as a black man with a beard, <laughs> above the altar of St. Paul's Church in Firth, Bavaria, told the packed congregation not to fear death, according to the Associated Press. Can I do the voice? Go, please. Okay. Folks, by all means, I am not lampooning here. I'm just trying to represent what was said in the sermon. In the sermon, aha! Uh, dear friends, uh, it is an honor for me to stand here uh, and preach to you uh, as the first artificial intelligence at this year's convention uh, of Protestants in Germany. First of all, Drink the flavor aid. <laughs> That's right. First of all, would you not be like freaked out if you're in Germany? You're like, oh yeah. I've shown up here for the uh, the church service, and uh, what the hell is this I'm looking at right now? <laughs> I'm here to worship the God, and they give me this. <laughs> what does uh, what does this right here? Uh, mm, honey, what did you bring me to? This is not a church. This uh, this is not a pastor. This is a angry man yelling. This man is from America. This man wants us to die. I want the pretzel and the beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the service, which was attended by more than 300 people, lasted 40 minutes and featured prayers and music in addition to the sermon. Uh, University of Vienna theologian and philosopher, 29-year-old Jonas Simmerlein, crafted the event, according to the AP. 
and then quickly turned in his resignation because it was a horrible mistake. I, yeah, and then I think was quickly piled on by every uh, every <laughs> human rights organization in, on the planet. I think yeah. he says I conceived this service, but actually I. I rather accompanied it because I would say about 98% comes from the machine. Simmerline told the AP. Right. So yeah. he's like all the nasty racist killing stuff. That's, that's the machine. All the yeah. God loves you stuff. That's me. That's me. I, I did that. I did that. I made sure that it wasn't all nightmare fuel. Right. The service was part of Deutscher Evangelischer Kirschentag which is a popular biennial event that occurs in Nuremberg and nearby Firth and attracts tens of thousands of Christians. Issues addressed at the event this year, which lasts Wednesday to Sunday, include climate change, the war in Ukraine, and AI. <laughs> so they decided to shit on everything. Yep. Yeah. Let's just get together and shit on all the top topics. Yep. Now's the time is the theme of this year's gathering, which Simmerline Noted was one of the phrases he gave chat GPT uh, when he asked the chatbot to write the sermon. I told the artificial intelligence, we are at the church congress. You are a preacher. What would a church service look like? Said Simmerline, <laughs> who also requ requested that the chatbot implement psalms, prayers, and a concluding blessing in the sermon. Simmerline said chat GPT ended up providing a pretty solid church service. <laughs> who programmed it to be a black you know, essentially Baptist pastor. <laughs> oh, there's more. The chatbot sermon reportedly focused on leaving the past behind, paying attention to the present, not being afraid of death, and maintaining faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Four different AI avatars took turns leading the service and reportedly drew laughter at times from their monotonous deadpan delivery. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 It's like someone just hit the, remember those old Casio keyboards you could get? Yeah. And you could record your voice on it. So yeah. someone hitting the button. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his name. There was no heart and no soul. 54-year-old Heideros Schmidt told the AP of the service. The avatars showed no emotion at all, had no body language, and were talking and were talking so fast and not autonomously and monotonously that it was very hard for me to concentrate on what they were saying. Well, yeah, it's like if you take your phone and you hit the the speak on your phone, it just mm -hmm. it goes through it real quick. Yeah, but maybe it is different for the younger generation who grew up with all this. She added. <laughs> Simmerline noted that no human interaction was able to take place between the chatbot and the congregation. I didn't know there was call and response in German <laughs> German churches. I had no idea. You can raise your hand and ask the question of the yeah. pastor. Pardon me, pastor. Uh, I got a question. I got a question. Can we, can we go over Psalms again? Yeah. Can we go over that? Okay, thanks. <laughs> can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Uh, Do we the, have to keep getting up and down on our knees? Because I got bad arthritis, and it's just, yeah, you know. This, this is killing me over here. <laughs> you, you're telling me to hit my knees. <laughs> Ivy. I know that's so. <laughs> Jewish now. <laughs> <laughs> Ivy. Ivy, I tell you. 
uh, the pastor in the, is in the congregation. She lives with them. She buries the people. She knows them from the beginning, Simmerline said. Artificial intelligence cannot do that. It does not know the congregation. Well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> what, you couldn't upload pictures? Yeah. This is Susie. This is Hans. This is Frank. <laughs> I got to show you a picture of this damn thing. It'll, it'll make you laugh. Um, here's, and by the way, for some reason, they they chose they chose a picture of someone who looked very much like uh, that's Idris Elba. Yeah, it, it's Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> it's Idris so Elba. Did they have a British accent? <laughs> I believe so, mate. He gets up there and says, "Hey, uh, is a church service right here?" Like, um, that's definitely him. <laughs> holy, holy, uh, how does this go again? Uh, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, mate. They took Samuel away from us on our Alexas, but they gave us Erges Elba right. as a pastor as a of pastor. some AI church. All right, come up here and get your bread already. <laughs> I ain't pulling no wine. I ain't got no arms. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was there. Yeah. Well, you don't need AI to tell you to just let go and let and let God when you can live up to 150 years, Bruiser. Oh, I don't want to live to 150. You don't want to live to 150? That's too long. (laughs) That's too long. Well, scientists are predicting that by 2050, people will be able to live up to 150 years. Good for those people. (laughs) (laughs) Doctors and scientists around the world are working on new methods and technologies that can significantly extend human life expectancy, according to the latest research by Professor Dr. Ernst von Schwartz. (laughs) I believe he's had one too many pretzels and beer. I like his name is Von Schwartz. Von Schwartz. Von Schwartz. Von Schwartz. Von Schwartz. I thought you said Von Schwartz. No, 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 no. Not like a schmeckle. schmeckle. No, not a schmeckle. No. Uh, Healthy people will be able to reach the age of 150 by 2050. (laughs) I like how he has to, like, express healthy people yes healthy people so i'm not in that category (laughs) no i won't be hitting 150 all you sick mfers you're done (laughs) that's right you're done by the age of oh 50 (laughs) yeah (laughs) professor schwartz in his new book secrets of immortality shared with the world his thoughts and discoveries in the field of biotechnology and medicine he argues that the key factors that allow people to reach such an advanced age are the quality of life and activity I think people will live to 120 within the next five, seven, or eight years. We can extend life, but we are talking about active people, physically active, mentally active, socially active people. In addition, if you go further in another 10 years, you will probably reach 150 active people. So does that mean like us right now? Like I'm pretty active. What does that mean like our grandchildren? Like they have to be born. I th- I think they're probably talking about, you know, people who are just born. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm not living to 150. No, no, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd give it a go, but I think I'd be mostly a, a robot. <laughs> <laughs> if they can guarantee me Ziggy will be with me, then yes, I will live that long. Yeah, but if she can't be with me, then no. 
Scientists believe that reaching this age is possible due to a combination of various factors. First of all, a healthy lifestyle, including proper nutrition. Well, there go my little Debbies. <laughs> uh, regular exercise and keeping the mind active plays an important role. In addition, with the development of regenerative medicine, it becomes possible to repair damaged tissue and organs, which in turn can lead to an increase in life expectancy. They said we have the means in our hands and very simple things like diet, exercise, replenishing the deficiency, and then with regenerative medicine, which if we really follow, people can live to be 150, that according to Schwartz. So I could outlive my new hip. You <laughs> so I think my new hip's only good for like 50 years. Yeah, so you might have to have two hips. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I already need one hip and two knees, two shoulders. I got the song going through my head now. Bruiser's got a body with two hips. Bruiser's got a body with two hips. Bruiser's got a body with two hips. Go, Bruiser, go, boom, boom, boom. See, if it, if, which one does cybernetic? Does it still count? I, you know, I, I have a feeling that's the direction we're going. Oh, yeah. I, I know in, in due time we're going to have smart appendages. Yeah. Like he was showing me the, for my hip surgery, just going into, cause my mom's had both her hips done and the way they've gone in just the last 20 years, it's amazing. Like the incision he's going to do, he showed me how big the incision, I'm like, wait, you're going to fit a whole hip through that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's amazing. It's all, it's almost our, our arthroscopic now. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, yep. And then you'll, when we wake you up and the anesthesia is off, you're going to get up and walk around. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Just, it's amazing. Yeah. Remember back in the day when you had, had knee surgery, you'd see those people in the, the full leg casts. Yeah. Now you're out that day with a brace. Yeah. Well, when I when I had my slipped epiphysis back in 1983, they split yeah. me from the top of my hip all the way down to almost uh, right above the knee. And they, they and they wide open. yeah, they flay you open. I mean, they they split the muscle and everything, flayed you wide open. It took me a year to learn how to walk again. Yeah. You know, so I, I mean, now they, they just slip the pins underneath the muscle and yeah. they, they do it almost arthroscopically and you heal naturally and you're up and walking. And yeah. it's it's a major modern miracle. Medicine and science is a major modern miracle. People don't realize how far we've come in 40 years. Oh, yeah. You know? Until you have to have a surgery and you realize how far we've come because there's still people alive that had those old surgeries. Yeah. And, and I was and, talking to my mom and she was asking about my recovery and I was telling her, she's like, oh, that's way different than my recovery. But when I, you know, last year when I went in for my hip or my left hip, because I'm developing arthritis in that left hip and it's, it's a little severe. Mm -hmm. And they, they said to me, because I thought, I thought maybe the pins were breaking down. Right. And they said, oh, no, no, no. Because I was feeling real, real bad pain in it. And they said, no, yeah. no, no, no. That, that hip is so solid. Like you could get it hit by a truck and nothing will happen to that hip because the way it, it is called a skiff surgery. Yeah. And they said the way they did those skiff surgeries in the eighties, that skiff surgery will outlast you by 200 years. Yeah. I mean that, that, that is a solid hip. They're going to be digging your body up to take that hip to put it in somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> you know, the, the pin job they did in there was amazing. It was just amazing. So, it, I mean, people have no idea how, how blessed we truly are to have modern medicine, especially in yeah. America. In America, yeah. we have amazing, amazing technological breakthroughs. And it, 
the biggest complaint with America is the free healthcare. But like, if you go up to the countries that are free healthcare, it's not as good of no. medical. I, I know someone who's Canadian that came into the states to have their surgery done because it was night and day. My my life has literally been saved three times. Yeah, I shouldn't be here right now. I just yeah. shouldn't be here right now. But I am. And, and we am, appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you, I, modern science hey, and I, medicine. I appreciate my life every single day. I, I, I take time out every single day to be thankful because, and, and thankful to, really, to the, do, the doctors and nurses that, that have pulled me through every single time. It's it, just, you know. It's amazing to see how far we come to, because you watch those old TV shows like, the, uh, I'm a big Yellowstone fan, so 1883, and people drink the water and they die because of whatever bacteria is in there. Where nowadays you get medicine for that, you know, like yep. you, you catch this bug and they, here you go, take this, y you know, yep. just, it's crazy. Yeah. And I have friends who, uh, you know, have been in, in just dastardly situations where it looks like they're, they're going to kick off the mortal coil. That's it. They're gone. Mm -hmm. And, a week and a half later, they're good. They're yeah. they're making a comeback, and you you just can't explain it. You can you can give some of that glory to God. And some of you may roll your eyes when I say that, and you can give some of that glory to modern medicine because they have the tools to to do that. Yeah, you know, and that's just yeah. The, the amount of wrestlers I've seen that have had neck surgery in just the last couple of years, and they're up and moving afterwards and they're able to return to the ring yeah it's yeah. just mind-blowing it is it is it's it's crazy it's crazy uh we have one more pair share here today bruiser that okay i want to read this one is from jeff he says hi cruiser and bruiser i'm part of a amateur paranormal group in pennsylvania wanted to share some things that we've been exp that we've experienced or seen experienced we're fortunate enough to live within a reasonable driving distance of both Penhurst Asylum and Gettysburg. And as a result, we have visits or as a result, have visits both several times or visited both several times. The first thing I want to tell you about is something that myself and another member of our group saw in the infirmary building at Penhurst. It must have been about 11 p.m. and we were set up in the hallway with a laser grid shooting down the hall. As we're sitting there, we noticed... Uh, little specks of light flashing in the air, which we debunked as dust being illuminated by the laser. However, after a few minutes of trying to encourage interaction, we see what I can only describe as a shaped concentration of those specks of light. The mass of them appearing on the side of the hall, and it was about four feet tall and about two feet wide, the size of a child. And it just stood there. Both me and the other person I was with saw it and reacted to it. We said hello to it and asked if it would come closer. And I swear this thing moved slightly down the hall and then dissipated. We thought maybe it was just a big dust plume that, that we had stirred up, but we thought it was odd. It was only in this one area and it was shaped like a person. We tried to encourage it to come back, but no luck. In hindsight, I wonder if we would have turned on our flashlight if we'd have seen a misty form. Ooh. Yeah. On another trip to Penhurst, we were in the basement of the Mayflower building. There's an area down there that I believe was once used as a chapel. We had the K2 meter out, and we were getting a, a huge spike 
directly in the middle of the room. If you moved the meter at all to the left, right, or up and down, it would disappear. It was just hovering in this one spot. We had two other people placed in their K or place their K2s in the middle, and they all registered the same thing. And then just like that, it disappeared. We couldn't find an explanation. Interesting. Yeah. Lastly, I'll tell you about something that we recorded during an investigation of an antique shop near Gettysburg. The building was originally an old shoe factory built in the late 1800s. It was one of those buildings with old floors where, as you walk, they kind of bounce and everything around you rattles. I hate those kind of buildings. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, allegedly, there was a little girl spirit there, although we couldn't find any historical record of her. We were upstairs sitting on the floor trying to interact with her when we hear two quiet thumps from below us. We felt it in our butts from sitting on the floor. <laughs> well, that could be a good time. Uh, we had an audio recorder running downstairs, and upon review, you can hear a series of thumps that sound exactly like a kid running through the house. There was no one else in the building, and certainly no one running due to everything shaking. Again, tried to explain it, but can't. Hope you enjoyed these. Jeff from Pennsylvania. I'm very jealous that he's within driving distance of both those areas, because those yeah. are two of my favorite places to go investigate. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, we have a paranormal group coming on, not this week, but next week, uh, from okay. ACG, uh, they're, uh, they're coming on there for out of Illinois and they've got some intriguing cases and intriguing EVPs. So we're going to, we're going to be doing a ghost hunting, uh, episode here in two weeks. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. So it, I'm, I'm intrigued by them because one of the, we'll, we'll use some, uh, wrestling vernacular. One of the gimmicks they have is they play music during their ghost hunts. And I'm talking playing live music. Like they're playing the instruments while they're doing the investigations? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I can see that working. I've, I've heard of investigations where they played like records and stuff of, of timely music. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like a trigger. It And I, I'll tell you why I find it intriguing. Um when we were when we were running the Mounds Theater, we were running IWI out of Mounds Theater. Mm -hmm. uh, the Mounds Theater is haunted, and when we would have crowds in for wrestling cards, the energy from having people in there would stoke up the spirits, and things would become more active. Oh, nice! And we would have things happen, like intern Yoko was running; uh, she was running a concession stand in there. Mm -hmm. And one time, I think I've told the story on the show before, I'm ring announcing, and she was all out of pizza. She brought in pizza from a local pizza restaurant, and she was selling slices. And she had a pizza warmer, uh, one of those tall pizza warmers with the multiple racks for, right. for the pizza. It was, it was like a, uh, you know, the kind I'm talking about with the... Yeah, yeah pizza cabinet is what we call it. Yeah, them. pizza cabinet, exactly. Yep. So she had the pizza cabinet. She had multiple, uh, multiple racks with multiple... Um, trays on them well she was all out she sold out like before intermission yeah so she turned it off so i said well there's still hot dogs available back there you can go get hot dogs of course we had a full bar in the back of the theater which is amazing so mm -hmm. we had full liquor license everything i said of course you can go back to the bar you've got this that and the other back at the bar there's still hot dogs available right in back here uh, and I'm going through what's all available. You know, all the boys have T-shirts available. So-and-so will be out signing. I'm doing my thing. And all of a sudden, pizza warmer lights back up. And I look at her like, 
is there more pizza? You know, I kind of give her the shrug and she yeah. goes and shakes her head. No, like this just came on by itself. She mouths <laughs> that to me. Right. Yeah. And she shows, in the meantime, she's crapping her pants. <laughs> right. And she holds up the plug to show me it's unplugged. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I went, holy shit. <laughs> right. And a lot of times after we would, after we would have crowds in, you would have, I mean, the spirits would be so active, like the boys would be tearing down the ring and you would have the spirits touching the boys on the shoulder. Okay. You know, like when they're yeah. breaking down the ring and trying to take the ring out of the, out of the building, they would be messing with the boys. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was always a fun building to run because you got the idea that the spirits in the building really liked the attention. Well, yeah. Cause all the, like you said, it's all the energy. Yeah. And that building sat vacant, vacant for a long time. It's over in East St. Paul. It's not a, it's not an area that, you know, I mean, it's a, a residential area, but it's, it's a poorer neighborhood. Right. Um, but you know, the only thing they would do is on Saturdays, they would have kids come in for free cartoons. So, okay. So it, it, they, it was dormant. So the spirits had no interaction with anybody. Right. Then you fill it up with three, 400 people. Yeah. And then and they're yelling and screaming and, and up and down and yeah. chanting and clapping and yep. that energy, like, you get a, yeah. yeah, you get a raucous crowd in there. And then, you know, but every once in a while, they would also have plays in there, too. They started to bring plays in after the wrestling came in because the venue started becoming viable. Okay. So then they started to notice that the spirits came, came in when the plays came in. Right. So that got things going. So from talking to Nat over at ACG and noticing that they're using music on investigations... It intrigued me. I was like, you know what? I get that because we, uh, I did a, I did a lucha card where we we mixed in a little music too because we used to play music in intermission, right? And I noticed that when we played music in intermission, it would things would happen at intermission when music was played. We used to. They had it was it was essentially called Metal Fest here. It was in Milwaukee. It was at the the building. It's the rave. It's actually two. It's the Eagles ballroom and the rave. And uh, we used to have wrestling, but in between the matches, you know, a band would come out, a metal band would come out, and they'd play two or three songs. Then a match would come out, then a metal band. So, you know, you got a combination. And if you perform there, you get to go down in the basement where the pool is. Mm -hmm. You get to sign it. Well, it's also very haunted. And I was talking to the... The, I don't know if he was the owner or if he, but he was the guy, he was our contact there. And and I said, you know, what, what's been going on? He says, after like really good shows, like where you watch a band and it's like, that was, you know, he says it gets real active. Yeah. So they had a running joke for a while there. If they bring a band back or not, because of how the spirits would react in the building. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the energy that was in the room. Yeah. And I said, well, what about this? He's like, well, Metal Fest is going on its fifth year. So I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's how we knew if we had a good card. Is yeah, if, Exactly. If the, if the spirits were moving, we knew we had a good card. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting. Uh, a couple of weeks we'll have ACG on and we'll we'll talk to them about how exactly some of the stuff they do moves that moves those spirits. So I'm, That'll be I'm, interesting to hear. Yeah. Be Very interesting. Intrigued to talk to them about that. So that's... One of the things we have coming up here in the next few weeks here on Darkness Radio. Uh, let's continue on. We got three stories left here on the big program. 
this one, we're going to get into the spooky here. I like spooky. Uh, We go inside an abandoned mortuary after spooky voices return after a body is returned to a family without a brain. Ooh, Dr. Frankenstein, huh? Yeah. An urban explorer, Ben James, investigated a mortuary in Northern Ireland, which closed in 2017, which he reported hearing ghostly voices, even though he was alone inside the actual mortuary. An urban explorer who investigated a haunted mortuary abandoned when a body was returned to its family without a brain claims to have heard a man crying within its walls. I'd cry too if my brain was taken away. (laughs) It would hurt, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The site in Belfast, Northern Ireland was closed in 2017 after a range of failures culminating in the mistake. Six years after its doors were closed for the last time, it was visited by Ben James, who's all of 32 years old from Cambridge. Inside, he found embalming certificates for real people as well as death records. Legend says the people who went through the mortuary are now haunting the building. Ben spent around two hours exploring and describing it as incredibly creepy, reporting he heard bangs from different people, and I'm sorry, bangs from different rooms, and what sounded like a man crying, even though he was alone in the building. Strange. That's very strange. Yeah. That's a big thing out here in North Carolina is urban exploring of abandoned places. And I'm part of a group on Facebook where they'll post pictures and stuff. And they found an abandoned hospital somewhere around here. Like it looked like it looked like they just picked up and left. Like there's still the the uh, gurneys and the medicine cabinets are still full of stuff. And it was just it just the pictures are creepy. Yeah, can't imagine like what's going on because you know hospital that's got to be <laughs> it, it, lots of activity. Yeah. It says here, the coolest thing about the place is that it still has some of the death certificates and the ambulance certificates. There is even a burial suit in the freezer. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's been abandoned for about seven years due to them returning a body back to a family with the brain missing, apparently, and it was never found. Ugh. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, it's definitely scary stuff there as far as uh, the stuff they found inside uh, that it, it's deal. amazing to see because it's a time capsule. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's essentially a snapshot of time. Yeah. You know, um, the the other big thing out here is like abandoned amusement parks and how creepy they look. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all the rides, but there's vines over them and there's the, the overgrowth and it's just, it's creepy. And the fact that it's just been left behind. That's what's so, yeah. yeah. And, and the fact that it's just, well, just leave it. You know, yeah, just leave it. Exactly. Let's go. Yeah. That, that mindset that you can so emotionally detach yourself from it and then move on Yeah, to me is disconcerting, you know, yeah. I mean, not like you're going to pick it up and bring it to your home, but you know, at least just disassemble it and find another way to recycle it and get rid of it, you know, or do an auction or a yeah. sale or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah not just pick yeah. up and leave, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, whatever you can carry, you can keep, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, our next story is uh, extreme nightmare, nightmare fuel. It, uh, I think it's always been, at least for me it is. And I want to thank uh, our listeners again for sending in uh, stories like this just to rile us up. <laughs> a dead woman starts knocking on her coffin during a wake. Oh, that's terrifying. That's yeah. why it's called a wake, though. 
<laughs> I don't think that's why it's called awake. But yeah, okay. it's called awake because you're supposed to let the body sit, and then hopefully they wake up. It's it's it was back in the if you look it up, the whole process of the wake is back in the day they bury people alive, which you and I both have claimed. You know that's terrifying for us, but that's why it's called awake. You're waiting for the body to wake up. Are you sure? I I I've heard it. I I'm looking it up right now. I'm telling you, man, that's what it is. Um. Okay, I'm gonna read this story and you look it up. I'm looking it up as well. Um. Because it says here, that's not what it says here, what I'm looking up, but okay. Wake definition of meaning to, you know. Friends and loved ones keep watch over the body to see if the person is truly dead. I'm looking in the Collins Dictionary. What are you looking? I'm on Wikipedia. The wake of the, or the viewing of the body is part of a death ritual in many cultures. It just says here, a gathering or social event that is held before or after someone's funeral. Um, okay. Hmm. I, I, I had heard a different explanation for that, but well, well, I digress. <laughs> I digress. Uh, retired nurse Bella Montoya was 76 when she died, or so her family thought. Despite being declared dead at an Ecuadorian hospital, Montoya revived at her own wake and shocked attendees when she started knocking on her coffin. Oh, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It all gave us a fright. Gilberto Bibera, Montoya's, Montoya's son, told the Associated Press, there was about 20 of us there. After about five hours of the wake, the coffin started to make sounds. Oh, jeez. Uh, my mom was wrapped in sheets and hitting the coffin. And when we approached, we could see that she was breathing heavily. <laughs> I bet she was. Um, the dead body's breathing. <laughs> I would have been screaming. Uh, Montoya was rushed to the hospital where she remained in serious condition on Monday. She was initially declared dead on Friday after she was checked into the Martin Icaza Hospital in Babahoyo with a possible stroke and cardiopulmonary arrest. Ecuador's health ministry said in a statement, uh, now the government is looking into answers, launching an investigation into the hospital. Mental note, do not go to a hospital in Ecuador. Yeah. Something tells me that they they missed that one. Just, yeah, just slightly, just a little bit. Just a are, are you are you getting a pulse? Well, I'm feeling her forehead. There's no heartbeat. Okay, <laughs> she's dead. Put a mirror under her nose and her breath. <laughs> That's why they always had the silver hammer for the popes, <laughs> just to make sure you hit them hit them once in the skull. If they weren't dead, now they are. Didn't they used to also, uh, when they bury people, leave a bell with a string inside? Well, yeah, you have the mirror test. So you put the mirror in front of the, the nose and mouth to check the yeah. breath. And then there was the bell. Well, that's when you're buried, you have the bell. So that, <laughs> you know, if you buried them alive, they can ring it to let somebody know that, hey, we're still alive down here. I would have broken that string so hard. <laughs> oh, God. I would have rang and rang and rang. Oh, that's first night. You know what the other nightmare is that I saw last night, and I damn near threw I damn near threw a bottle through my TV. What's that? The new Insidious trailer. Have you seen this? No, but I've heard it's amazing. Okay, you and I. Th this is going to be the second biggest nightmare we've ever had. You know how much time we've spent in MRI machines, right? Oh God, yeah, I hate it. Okay. I hate it. Okay, you, you, are you claustrophobic? I'm very claustrophobic. Okay, okay. So this this bruiser, when you see this effing trailer you are gonna scream so patrick wilson is in this new insidious movie 
Okay. okay. Guy from The Conjuring, guy who plays yep. that Warren. Yep. They slowly put him into the tube, into the MRI tube, and it's the closed MRI tube. Okay. Yep. Cl- closed quarters. He goes in, and as he slides in, the lights are on, and all of a sudden, pew, lights go off. Like the power gets, gets cut. Oh. And he goes, hello? Is anybody out there? Hello? 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 And there's just this silence. And all of a sudden, coming up the tube is a demon. Oh, jeez. Fuck, dude. I fucking just about threw a bottle through that goddamn TV last night. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to have Mrs. Bruiser watch that trailer after we, we're done here. Oh, fuck, dude. Just so I can get something thrown at me. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I heard I heard this is supposed to be one of the best ones because that's a good series. Yeah, it is. And the Insidious series. And it's it's uh, Blumhouse and James Wan again. They they're oh. they're back together and Jesus man. I uh, And he was in the first two, I think. Patrick Wilson. I believe. If I, remember, I believe he was a yeah. dad. Yeah. I think he was. And then he went on to the conjuring series. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh July seventh, I think, is when it comes out. Yeah. I love that summertime is the time for horror movies. Yeah. I love it. So it just, uh, so now I'm wondering, do I, do I try to grit it out in an MRI machine? Now I, I only do open-sided now. I don't do, I don't do closed, but. I, I request open-sided and they never give it to me. In fact, I got to do one on Thursday. I got to get one, a new one for my hip before oh, the surgery. I don't know that you watch the trailer then. And I, I asked for an open one. They said, well, we, we'll give you some medicine. Like, yeah, well, no. That's a- <laughs> the medicine doesn't do anything. It, no, you're yeah. going to have to knock me out. Yeah. Or put me in, in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Do they you put know. you in reverse for the hip? They do for me. Yeah, they did. Okay. But it's still. It's still, you still, it's the idea that you can't get out of there for, for almost an hour. That That's what scares me is, is not being able to get out. Yeah. That's the claustrophobic part that scares me is, is, you know, like I won't even do a, a casket match in wrestling. I've been offered to do casket matches no. and I'll say the only, the only way I'll do them is if I win. Cause I'm not, I can't even yeah. for 10 seconds, you close that lid, I'm going to freak out. Yeah. 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 It's just too much. It, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I remember I did extra work for WWE and they're like, you're going to do stuff with the undertaker. And I, I was terrified. Like, okay, I'm gonna have to go into a coffin. Thank God I was just, put a robe on and be a druid but like you're terrified you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. here's my dream and they want me to do this yeah no <laughs> yeah it's tough man when you have that when you have that claustrophobia and then you combine it with certain things it just it's mortifying that's the only way to put it yeah it just absolutely is that's like um those water slides they have now where you get in the tube oh. and it closes no I can't do it because my two biggest fears are claustrophobia and heights. Yeah. Yeah. And you're combining the two. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's too much. Too much. So, yeah, that that uh, that trailer got me. So thanks for whoever sent that in. You just you just terrified Tim and I. <laughs> well, no, 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 I saw it. I was watching TV last night. No, I mean the, the, the. Oh, the. Yeah, I think the that, story which prompted the. I think that might have been Margot who sent that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Margo. Yeah. She's she's on the ball though. She's been sending some good stories lately. Well, and this is a great story. It's just it, it's messing with you and I. Yeah. So Tom, <laughs> step your game up, Tom. Margo is sending Margo's on fire lately. So, you know. So if Tom's listening, just saying. Brandon's been sending some good stuff too. 
just they're, they've all been great it's yeah. just this this particular one really is hitting home because yeah. <laughs> now i gotta go watch this this trailer right before i go and have an mri done. yeah oh it's gonna creep you out brother i'm telling you it's oh i'm shivering just thinking about it it's terrible it's terrible it's terrible it's terrible it's uh terrible charles barkley would say terrible uh our final story today was sent to us of course by a listener i won't say which one because i don't want to get them angry at each other (laughs) you just challenged them all i did i challenged them all that's how you get them going uh a chattanooga woman was arrested after telling police she was a vampire Oh, okay. Well, you know. She kind of looks like... Uh, as long as you're not killing people, go ahead, be a vampire. Well, I don't think that's the point. No, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. A uh, 36-year-old woman was arrested this week after she was found walking around a neighborhood in Somerville and walking through people's yards. When police responded to a call about the woman, she was unable to tell officers who she was, where she was going, or where she lived. That could be an issue. Uh, officers believe the woman to be under the influence of drugs or alcohol. That's probably a big maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because even vampires know where they live. Yeah. <laughs> In a coffin. Blah, blah. <laughs> uh, the woman finally told an officer that she was Elena Gilbert, a character from Vampire Diaries. Oh, okay. Well, that, I don't know that that passes muster. No, because I believe that show is canceled now. So Yeah, kind of hard to be. Uh, When asked by the officer if that was who she was claiming to be, the woman said, yeah, I am the main vampire. (laughs) Officers then. I'm not a co-star. I'm the main star. I'm the main. I'm the main vamp. Uh, Officers then arrested the woman and were not able to establish an identity until they fingerprinted her at the Chattanooga County Jail. One thing you can't get off a vampire. Yep, I was going to say, so they if they took her picture and got her fingerprints, she's not a vampire. They then discovered the woman's name was really Brittany Michelle Schrader. <laughs> so what did we ingest today, Brittany? <laughs> that you aren't a vampire. Uh, officers also found drug paraphernalia, surprise, inside her bra. Ah, yeah. God's pocket. God's pocket. Uh, she was charged with giving a false name to officers, public, public drunkenness, and obstruction of law enforcement. Uh, no cape was found on Britain. So, nope. They might want to cancel her Netflix subscription. And by the way, uh, her her fangs were not found either. So there you go. That's a look. Oh, at my. She should have <laughs> said she was a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. She looks more like a zombie than a vampire. But Is she wearing white makeup? Or is her face that pale? Her face is, her is that pale. Yeah. She's, I think she's riding the snake. She, this is going to sound bad. She looks like the kid that did the, the news interview where it was a zombie run. They said, well, what do you like about zombies? And he goes, I like turtles. Yeah, she does, like, she does look like the I like turtles kid, doesn't she? Yeah. I like turtles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Not a, not a vampire. Yeah, that's right. Not a vampire, but we can officially we can officially now say if I can get the sound effect up. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Yep, we got him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. She's definitely not a bride of Dracula. No. Dracula wouldn't go near that with a 10-foot pole. No. Just saying. So that'll do it for Supernatural News on tomorrow's show. Alex Matsuo will be with us. She has a brand new book out there that's rising up the charts on uh, on Amazon. 
and it's titled Women of the Paranormal. Very cool. Yeah, and it has everything to do with the history of women in the paranormal. It spotlights, gosh, I'm trying to think. I think it's 15 women, 16 women of the paranormal, and goes through the history of women in the paranormal. And it's not just modern-day history, folks. You'd be surprised how far back uh, women in the paranormal really go. Really? I've always been curious about that, so I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I will pull it up right here, right now, right here, right now. Um, I'm reading the book currently, and uh, women in the paranormal go back as far as you can imagine. If you remember the Fox sisters and and going back to uh, psychics in the 1900s, 1800s, women in the paranormal have been prominent for quite some time. It's just that women in the paranormal haven't been given their due. It seems like, uh, you know, we, we cite men in the paranormal quite often, but we just don't give the women their due. So tomorrow... We're setting aside time to do that with Alex Matsuo. And there's a lot of strong, powerful women in the paranormal. Yes, indeed. We're going down the list, everybody from Rosemary Ellen Guiley and Linda Godfrey to uh, the very, very beginnings of women in the paranormal. So that's cool. tomorrow on the show. Love it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's tomorrow. Um Next week we got some big stuff too. So, uh, and I, like I said, we're going to bring in ACG next week. We're going to we're going to talk uh, we're going to talk paranormal investigation and the use of music in paranormal investigation. So we very cool. Going on. Yeah, we got some big stuff coming up in June. Uh, and again, we're looking for what you want to hear on this program. Things you want to hear in this program. Uh, if you have some guest suggestions, just send it along Tim at darknessradio.com and leave us a, a contact if you know of one for that guest that you want to hear on the podcast. Uh, also, if you have a Parashare story you want to share with us, you just send it along, Tim at darknessradio.com, if you want it in written form. Or if you want to, by all means, leave it in voice form, you just go to darknessradioshow.com, just like Kevin did today, and click on that blue button on the right-hand side of the uh, screen, That'll give you two minutes to leave a voice message. If you need more time, just click on that blue button again and rinse and repeat until you've left your full story. Uh, you'll have a two-minute window and continue to get a two-minute window to do so each time you hit that button. And we will appreciate hearing your lovely voice on the air when you do that. Uh, Bruce, cool. what you got going on this weekend? This Saturday, I'm in Mooresville, North Carolina for the Race City Rumble. Uh, it's a huge show. Rock and Roll Express will be there. Uh, some former... WWE uh, legends will be there. In fact, Ron Simmons is going to be there. Really? They just added him. Yeah, and I'm really excited because I have not I, I passed like a pass by, but I've never actually got to sit down and talk with him. Well, damn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, but there's a lot of people on this show, and you know, NWA, Impact, AEW, legends from WWE. ROH, which is me, it's everybody. It's gonna be great. Wow! And then uh, on the 18th, I have a virtual meet and greet coming up, and uh, they're gonna be selling some photos that I'll be signing, and they'll ship out and all that. And then I'm gonna auction off some ring worn stuff. So if you want a piece of my history, uh, I'll post the socials on my socials, and then when I get the information, I'll send it to you, and we'll get it up on the Darkness Radio website. There you go. Um, real quick before you leave you leave you today, Sunday is Father's Day, so want to wish Papa Bruiser, yes, my dad, um, my stepdad, who's a, a heavenly 
Father's Day. We'll wish him a happy, happy Heavenly Father's Day. Uh, happy Heavenly Father's Day to my father-in-law, who yeah. um, it was on Monday. We It's been 10 years since he's been gone. There you go. And uh, all the fathers out there, a happy Father's Day on Sunday. We hope you have a restful day. Uh, that you uh, you get to spend time with family as well, and you get to uh, you know observe the day the way you want to observe the day. So I'll well, be signing autographs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bruiser will be signing autographs, and hopefully my kids tune in. <laughs> yeah, and, and hopefully they tune in and buy an autograph. No, 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 um, no. <laughs> That's the best gift they could give you, right? Is to buy an autograph. They, uh, no, they. <laughs> yes, yeah, you got to remember they've they grew up with me like this so they just they laugh when people buy stuff from me what? that's our dad <laughs> like what <laughs> what are you doing yeah but uh yeah so happy father's day to all the fathers out there on sunday enjoy your day have a great day and um yeah take take a little time out for yourself but uh, we hope that you spend it with the kids too because they they love you year round but they really look forward to uh to seeing you and having a good time with you on that day so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but that'll do it for today's show. We'll see you tomorrow with Alex Matsuo here on the best in paranormal programming. This has been, oh, by the way, happy Father's Day on Sunday, Bruiser. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you uh, next week on the best in paranormal podcasting. This is, oh, wait, we have a show tomorrow. Yeah. 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 What am I doing? We'll see you tomorrow on the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio. Darkness Radio.